You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Inside Purple and Gold. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani alongside Tom Schreier. We're actually both in the U.S. Bank Stadium press box right now, next to each other, but separated by a wall apart. Recording this a couple of hours after the Vikings wrapped up a 27-22 victory over the New York Jets. <laughs> Say what you want about this Vikings team. They're 10-2. and two. They have the second-best record in the NFC. Kansas City is currently losing as we record this, so the Vikings might just have the second-best record in the NFL. By the end of the day, but they continue to make things interesting. Tom, this game is another example. This whole season has been a Mm -hmm. microcosm of, you know, Ben don't break win in, in kind of unimaginable ways. Um, and, and and this game specifically kind of falls in line with all of that. Yeah, no, I mean, that's kind of the direction I went is, uh, this game was a microcosm of their season. I think the only thing different I saw in this one was, Harrison Smith decided to lateral the ball to Patrick Peterson. He said after the game, he was just getting tired. And I was like, well, if you run sideline to sideline, I think he ran 50 yards and probably gained five, you know, like I get why he's getting tired. But outside of that, I mean, it's, you know, I guess it's exciting in a sense if you're like one of those people that's like a thrill seeker or something like that lives on the edge. But, um, you know, I thought about it this way. Smith said this, and I think some of the other players said this, they're like, Hey, it's kind of building calluses, right? We're getting used to, uh, winning in tight situations, defending the red zone. They were one for six or, um, you know, defended it five times. And and um, I guess all these are one score wins, right? Um, and I guess there's some truth that if they were blown out teams, you go, hey, they have a pretty easy schedule. And like, what does this mean when you, when you blow out these teams? Having said that, like, it feels like just straight up being like, yeah, you're building calluses and this is preparing you for the playoffs. It completely removes the results that you had in Philadelphia and against the Cowboys, right? So there is still a pretty big caveat there, but they let the Jets back in, but not enough to allow them to win. Yeah, that, that's the thing. You mentioned the Harrison Smith interception. Like from that moment forward in the first quarter, it looked like the the Vikings were going to dominate the game. Uh, Mike White comes out. I talked about Mike White in, in Thursday's episode. He, he got a lot of hype. I think because he's not Zach Wilson mm-hmm. and then people treated him like he was Joe Montana heading into this week. Yeah. He, he comes out in the first quarter, throws a pick Vikings go get the ball immediately kind of go up three zero and, and then kind of take control of the game from there. What kind of bothered me about this game 
and it's you know they find ways to win. It is what it is. Um, they're nine and zero in one score games. I think Kevin Seifer from ESPN tweeted that's an NFL record, uh, most consecutive wins in one score games to start a season. Mm-hmm. Um, nine and zero now. But what frustrated me about this game is like it didn't have to be like this, right? Like yeah. they dominated from the onset, and then halftime rolled around, um, and and Mike White just kind of lit them up. Um, what, what was your takeaway from kind of that point forward? Um, how it was yeah. kind of like a switch on and off almost. Yeah. On the Mike white point, I think, you know, I actually watched because um, I guess I was able to the, the game against Chicago. So when the jets played Chicago and Mike white looked good. And I think it's both the, how, do, how is Zach Wilson not able to run this offense? Because you're like, Mike white wasn't that spectacular. But also, you know, I remember asking Ed Donatel about it, and he's like, well, he, he's played before. Now, he was pretty good at times last year and then really bad, and obviously there's, there's throws that Mike Wade missed that you're like, well, that's, he, that's why he's a backup. Now, to be fair, like Kirk Cousins made similar throws in this game, but I guess that's atypical. So I did feel like they were playing a backup the whole time. It did feel like when it was 20-6 to 6 or whatever it was at halftime, they should have just stomped him out. And unfortunately, I mean, it's not just Cousins, but there are a couple of throws Cousins could have made where you're like, they could have blown this wide open. And instead they let, you know, the Jets hang around and the Jets came pretty close to pulling off an upset. Yeah. So you wrote that this game was kind of a microcosm of their season. Mm -hmm. I wrote in the Pioneer Press that like the next step for this team is winning in convincing fashion, right? Because you can't expect to win like this. You play with fire long enough, you're going to get burned. Um, We kind of saw it. You know, if, if the Vikings need an example of how to kind of take away an opponent's will, they just look a couple of weeks ago what the Dallas Cowboys did to them. Yeah. I thought that was kind of on the table in this game for the mm-hmm. Vikings. Mm-hmm. You score out of set, coming out of the halftime, and I think the game ends. I think you take a team, and then the team doesn't want to play anymore. Uh, what is it going to take? What is it going to take for them to kind of put together a complete – like I, a full 60 sounds like I cover the NHL too, like a full yeah, 60 yeah, yeah. NHL term. Yeah. Um, but what is it going to take for the Vikings to put together a full 60 minutes? No, and that's fair. I mean, I think a lot of like people will describe bad teams as 55 minute teams or whatever, right? The, the Vikings are like a weird 60 minute team. Like they do do enough to hold on at the end. That's not really how we typically think of a 60 minute team, but I think it is, it's just execution in moments that aren't like do or die. Right. Like, like Cousins missing Hawkinson on a deep pass or, or throwing behind JJ is not like in those moments was not do or die. But if you take it one step further and be like, man, we're just trying to kind of snuff out this team, then they are critical plays that were missed. I mean, if you want to look at this game in a vacuum and not <laughs> ignore the rest of the season, you'd be like, well, the Vikings won scrappy, right? You know, like Cousins was kind of off his game. The defense gave up like play after play. Now they again defended the red zone and it took a replay to, you know, to show that Mike White was in or whatever on the on the touchdown. And the first 15 points scored uh, by the Jets were all field goals. I mean, there's some accomplishment in that, but it's like the defense always gives up big plays and then and then kind of Benz doesn't break. Like Cousins just occasionally does this. He occasionally is just bad, and we don't totally know why. Um, listen, Justin Jefferson hasn't been on in every game, and, and sometimes it's his fault, and usually it's something else, right? So, like – the issue is more that we're just seeing recurring themes right throughout the, the games they've won. Um, and so it's hard, you know, when, when you're looking at trying to do a takeaway, like part of me wants to go, can I extrapolate something kind of crazy on this? And I was like, no, let's think about this simply. They just keep doing the same thing over and over again. And it's n- never any more reassuring that they could do this against a better team. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you look at it and, and that's, 
they're 10 and two. So like they're inherently a good team, but there's still, there's reasons that we keep talking about this each week, right? Like there's reasons that you wonder fast forward a month and a half from now, are they going to be able to handle Dallas? Are they going to be able to handle San Francisco? Um, San Francisco winning today without Jimmy Garoppolo that obviously if, if it's a long-term injury turns into something, you know, a, a, regardless of if the, the Niners win today, if, if Jimmy Garoppolo is not available moving forward, that's a different football team. Mm-hmm. But can the Vikings beat the Cowboys if they continue to play like this? Can they beat the Niners? Mm-hmm. Can they obviously beat the Eagles? Like that's yeah. they're the class of the NFC. I, I think the Vikings can continue to win games like this the rest of the season because you look at it, it's mm-hmm. Detroit next week. Who is mm-hmm. that's not a you you mentioned in Tuesday's episode, that's a game that scares you. Scares you a heck of a lot more watching what they did today. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Vikings can continue to win like this against Detroit, Indianapolis, maybe even the Giants, um, back, Packers, Bears to close the season. Um, but you, right now you're not looking at the regular season anymore if you're the Vikings. If you're a Vikings fan, you're looking at the playoffs. You're looking, how is this team going to perform then? Um, and until they're able to kind of put together a convincing win, um, and, and this one, while it counts as a good win, because the Jets are a much better football team than I think people thought they were going to be at the beginning of the season. It's by no means a convincing win. And until we see that, uh, I'm going to have a, some doubts when it comes to the Vikings. Yeah, I think the reason to tune in here, um, aside from people just love football, right? But, like, and it's part of your habits. But, like, um, go beat Detroit. You know, don't, like, don't, don't let them linger. Don't, like, bring back memories of last year, right? You know what I mean? Because, like, really, they barely beat Detroit here 45 second lead that it did it they did it when it mattered it was touchdown to kate jasmine or whatever but i think you know people are going to think about dancer being too far back in the in the end zone if if detroit beats you and as much as you know they were kind of hyping detroit (laughs) when we were in the locker room and you're like come on dude like this is a game you should win i get they saw the results as we did um Detroit has had a weird season in the sense that they looked like maybe they'd be like a one, two, three, win team, Dan Campbell's out. Instead, it looks like Campbell's going to do enough to hold their job. They're going to kind of continue this regime. This would be a signature win, um, beating Minnesota, given their record, right. And, and being, you know, the third team to beat them. Um, and then, you know, yeah, you're looking at Indy, New York. I look at that green Bay game. I think we talked about that before, but I think that still holds that. Like, could that be a full circle moment, right? Do they, Essentially, it seems like Quasey and O'Connell came in and they're like, we're going to reverse engineer last year. <laughs> last year, they lost a whole bunch of games right at the end. Bad culture. Everyone was tense. We're going to be happy and relaxed and win close games. And if you're fully reversing and engineering the season, what you do is you go into Green Bay and beat them mercilessly, right? Because that's what Green Bay did. They broke, it, broke against Green Bay last year. And then, you know, the Chicago game at the end. So I think, and that, might, that one might not matter at that point, but... Um, I do think while I'm with you that like, we're not going to get answers about the postseason in the rest of the regular season, given the level of competition, there's still something to play for them in the sense that the Vikings need to convince other people, including maybe themselves, that they can do more than win by one score. Yeah. And we'll break down kind of the rest of the game. When we come back from the break, obviously talking big picture here um, with the Vikings 10 and two, um, we'll dig into, you know, how they actually got to 10 and two a um, couple of big stands by the defense late in the game. Um, and then when, after that, I think we, we want to talk a little bit about Kirk Cousins. He had some interesting, you know, takeaways post game as, as far as how he stays healthy week in, week out. Um, mm-hmm. Some interesting comments there for sure. So more on that when we come back.
Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani alongside Tom Schreier. We're here talking about the Vikings 27-22 win over the Jets. Tom, we talked about the first half, how they probably should have won this game a lot in more convincing fashion than they mm-hmm. did. They did not. Um, it, it, it came down to the wire. The defense allowed Mike White to throw for 369 yards, allowed Zonovan Knight, who was on the practice squad two weeks ago, to run for 90. Mm-hmm. Um, Garrett Wilson, 162 mm-hmm. yards receiving. Um, Duke Shelley, not the answer. Kind of a, a tough possession position to put a practice squad cornerback and Duke Shelley in, but mm-hmm. he couldn't hang with Garrett Wilson. All of that added up. But when the Vikings needed to on defense, they came through late with, with a big goal line stand. Now that forcing a, you know a turnover on downs, aided mm-hmm. by the fact that Braxton Berrios drops a ball in the end zone, um, would have been a tough catch. And then Cam Bynum, obviously making the, the the interception with about ten seconds to play at the goal line. Mm-hmm. What, what can you say about this defense? Because all season long, it's been like they're going to give up a lot of yards, and they they somehow find a way not to give up a lot of points. Yeah, it was evident today. Um, it, it's kind of a microcosm of the Vikings as a whole. Like this can't continue, um, and you expect the same results. Yeah, no. I mean, I think I think you can think about it two ways. First of all, like gash plays are bad because teams can score on them, right? I mean, that's why you don't want to give up big uh, runs or, or passing mm-hmm. plays. But I think the second thing is that they can be demoralizing. And one thing, like Jordan Hicks said, is like we just kind of see it as the next play, right? And I think that's kind of what the coaching staff allows them to do. If you think you're going to come back and be scapegoated for doing something wrong, you, you tend to get defensive and go, or, or just kind of bummed out. You're like, well, we gave up this big play. They're going to score anyways, or I'm going to go back on the sideline. Everyone's going to think mm-hmm. I screwed something up. I think it's that they've allowed them to just focus play to play. Um, and again, aside from, from that, you know, Mike White um, sneak or whatever, they, they did keep them out of the end zone in the red zone. So um Part of it's that mental side that like it's probably devastating to give up these guys. You know, you you, you listen to these yardage for their star players. It's because they just like went off for like, you know, like 60 yards down the seam or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the second part is the problem is the Jets aren't scoring on those gash plays. But I do. Dallas did. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. uh, early on, Philadelphia did the Niners are such a weird team when you're going through all this, they have so many injury issues and they've had them for years, but like, you know, a healthy Niners team would do that to you. And even what you'd worry about is like something stupid, like Taylor Heineke doing that to you, you know, in a Mm -hmm. matchup again, you know, in the playoffs or something like that. So um, I do think they have the mental side down at least so far. And that again, the culture is better. You notice like last year, there's a lot of finger pointing Zimmer chief among them. Right. But it was kind of this defensiveness Mm-hmm. there's been less of that, right? Kirk's been like, yeah, you know, I, I got to be better in this situation. The, um, you know, people are more willing to coaches, players say like, yeah, I messed something up. And I think that does allow them to just focus play to play. So um, I don't know. This is a winning formula against teams like the Jets. It doesn't give you a lot of confidence, you know, as we creep closer to the playoffs. Yeah. Great point about, you know, this might work against the Eagles because they're they're not taking those chunk plays in the or it might work against the Jets because they're not taking those chunk plays in the mm-hmm. uh, into the end zone. But it, it won't work against the Eagles, won't work against the Cowboys. Jets finished one and one in six in the red zone today. Mm-hmm. Mike White was good in mm-hmm. the second half, but mm-hmm. he still wasn't good enough to get take turn those field goals into touchdowns. So it's like yeah. you're right. Like Jalen Hurts will be good enough to turn those field goals into touchdowns. Dak Prescott proved a couple of weeks ago that he can turn those field goals into touchdowns. 
again, it's hard to kind of to pin the, the, the 49ers right now because we don't know about Jimmy Garoppolo's health. The Seahawks could, though. Like, that, that's the thing. It's like, again, Geno Smith's not a franchise quarterback, but, like, that's the problem is that you're both opening up a potential loss to a team that's favored, but also a team that you're expected to beat in the first round because any team in the playoffs would be good enough to beat you on chunk plays. Yeah, no, that and so like that's why you have to continue if you're the defense to like and Kevin O'Connell said it as much after the game, right? I think I appreciate these 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 comments from him because mm-hmm. you look at this game if it was the other way around, if it was the Mike Zimmer regime, right? Mm-hmm. And if people were asking Mike Zimmer after the game, well, you know, you gave up a lot of yards. Like, does that concern you? He would immediately shift to like, we won the game. And and Kevin O'Connell asked that today said like, yeah, like we have to to look at this and to look ourselves in the mirror and look inward and find a way to be better. Because I think deep down Kevin O'Connell knows what you just said, Tom, that like, if they continue to do this against good teams in the playoffs, it's no guarantee that you're going to get that interception at the goal line with 10 seconds left in the game. You, that that yeah. ball might go in the end zone and you lose and your season is over. So there's definitely room to improve. We say that every week, um, but kind of the same tenor every week is the same, like, well, it's better to learn these lessons after wins, which is what the Vikings are able to continue to do because they continue to win these games in, in close fashion. And I do think there's a difference. I do think they're callous a little bit. Like I think they're, you know, maybe not more relaxed, but like more used to be pressed against their own end zone, right? And having to deliver in the red zone. I think they're used to giving up a gash play and having to clamp down. Um, mm-hmm. I think they've had, think of like the Chicago game where they let Chicago, I thought they were going to like bury Chicago, right? And then mm-hmm. they let it back in. It felt exactly like this game. What I don't think, I don't think they fully implemented the lessons yet, right? Because if they would, they beat teams by more. And so I think maybe that's the next step. There's like a little nuance in language or a little nuance in, in how you're thinking about this, but like they've become callous. They've, they've done this in lower stakes environments because an individual game mm-hmm. doesn't matter that much usually. Um, but yeah, there is some frustration that like they haven't fixed it and we're this deep in the season. Yeah. I mean, there's five weeks to fix it or mm-hmm. there's five weeks to kind of tune up, I guess. Cause like, yeah. You're not going to play at any point in the next five weeks. Well, the Giants, but the Giants, I, I, I'm not sure how to feel about them. Yeah, You're not going to play a team of a caliber that you're going to face in a month and a half from now when the playoffs roll around. So yeah, yeah. if you're going to learn these lessons and, and try and continue to improve, uh, you better do it against these teams. Because if you continue to keep, if they keep winning games like this, like they did against the Jets today, like they did against the Patriots on Thanksgiving. Like if the next five weeks goes similarly, uh, my confidence heading into the playoffs, regardless if they lock down the two seed, is going to be pretty low because we've seen what happens when they play a Philadelphia, when they play a Dallas, um, and they try and win this way. Uh, they don't. It's, it's pretty funny looking at these last three games. So, right, these, this is coming off a two-game road, stri- road trip nearly lost in Washington and this crazy mm-hmm. game in Buffalo, right? Dallas looked like Dallas figured it out. Like if yep. it felt like it was like you can snuff out Jefferson if you just pressure Kirk, especially with Derisaw out, right? And we think Derisaw will be eventually back in. But it seemed like Dallas created this blueprint that a guy like Belichick would fully execute on four days later, right? Yeah. And I think it was impressive that there was a fi- enough of a fix that not only the Vikings were able to win the game, but they did it on their own terms, right? They Even though they weren't successful in running the ball, they kept doing it. 
uh, even though Belichick really wanted to take Jefferson out, he was incapable of doing that. And obviously, I mean, it took like a kick return, which in today's game is a pretty weird play, right? Like, and it's an anomaly, but like the, the Patriots win actually felt impressive to me. The problem is this didn't feel like they built off of the Patriots win, right? They, they gave Kirk enough of protection. Sure. Like he was only sacked twice, I think for 14 yards. It obviously wasn't as devastating as the Dallas game. But it didn't feel like they took a next step beyond that. It felt like they kind of did like a lazier version of, you know, of the Patriots game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it was pretty similar circumstance in the sense that really good defense, not a great quarterback. I think it's pretty insulting to compare Mac Jones and Mike White. But like Mac Jones has opened himself up to that kind of comparison now. Yeah. Um, so so in some ways, it's like it's like they just kind of took the formula from the from the past game. And implemented. I, I just thought after ten games off, you, you rest, you have t- plenty of time to prepare. It's, it's the freaking Jets. I think that's why it feels like a letdown. Beyond the fact that like everyone I've talked to is like, "Wow, that's the, you know, the weirdest win the Vikings have had." It felt like a loss, right? Aside from that kind of feel, I think it's also just like, what, why didn't they progress from the Patriots game to the Jets game? All right, we're definitely on the same page about this this formula and how it works now and it won't work later. But like. On the flip side of that, like, is there something to be said about gaining confidence in mm-hmm. close games? Like, mm-hmm. in gaining confidence in winning close, but also winning in the way they do, the defense stepping up, almost expecting to to get a stop late in the game. While I don't think the formula is sustainable, I kind of think that, like, getting reps of confidence is something that could help them in the playoffs. Where do you kind of land with that? Yeah, I I mean, I agree in the that. Games are going to be close in the playoffs. Yeah. yeah, 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 and it's the thing is like they keep saying this like I think Harrison Smith said, yeah, it feels like a playoff environment. I mean, I guess first of all, it just never will be exactly like that. It's not an elimination game. Playoffs are just a different animal. But in terms of like this is a loud fan base, they'll turn on you quick if you start to struggle against the Jets. Uh the fact that the Jets made it close just like all these other games before. I I get that and I do think that's that's valuable. I think where it's most valuable is this is a team that is, has a lot of veteran players, um, but is still dependent on some younger guys. Right. And I think a team like this, if the veterans don't believe in the, the younger players who lack experience, lack yeah. all this kind of stuff they're building right now, um, you can create like a rift in the locker room, right? It's two different sets of players. If you're Patrick Peterson, Harrison Smith, Kirk cousins, um, you go, go on down the line. Um, even like a guy like Eric Kendricks, like, you're going, we need to do this now. Right. And there's other guys on this, on this team who have a little more time to be mm-hmm. great, I guess, if you want to say that to put together winning seasons, I think this is probably, that's the best thing is there seems to be universal trust. It's not just trust among the veterans and trust among the young guys. And that's, that's actually, I think where you're building valuable experience here in these one score games. Yeah. Perfect example, right? Late in the game, Harrison Smith misses a pick, drops mm-hmm. the pick and mm-hmm. would have ended the game. Mm-hmm two play or one play, maybe two plays, one play later. Yeah. Cam Bynum, young player, kind of makes up for the veteran dropping the ball, steps up, interception, game over. So, yeah, there are there are elements to that of, like, it's not just the old guys pulling on this rope and the young guys being along for the ride saying, like, okay, you know, let's get reps now and, and, and we'll be better in the future. Like, everyone seems to be pulling on that same rope. Yeah, so it was the pass to Wilson that Smith nearly picked off, and he looked devastated. But there's a big difference between disappointment in yourself that you didn't make a play to end it and kind of this feeling that, like, I didn't make the play, they're right. going to lose. Um, interception on the next play. And then Bynum. And I think Bynum, Bynum's an interesting player in that he's a – so he was a corner in college. They converted him last year, so the old regime did that. 
And I think he's such a different player than Smith. You know, Smith kind of plays close, like he's a savvy veteran. Bynum's kind of learning the footwork and the intricacies of mm-hmm. playing safety and playing really deep, which I think is why they kept giving up, um, uh, you know, plays in the middle or whatever against the pass. But like that, that it is, it is a cool aspect that it, it feels like Harrison Smith had as much faith in Bynum as he did any of his other teammates. And, and Bynum came through huge, huge, huge play at the end. And you could just tell in the uh, stadium, it went from the Vikings are going to do the Vikings thing to like, maybe this team's a little different and that is a significant change. Yeah. They certainly, they certainly make it interesting every week. Um, the, the defense obviously stepped up um, in, in, in the big moments when they needed to, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the offense, a little bit about Kirk cousins, not his best day, um, but he's still, when the Vikings needed a drive, he was able to kind of march them down the field in, in a way that was able, you know, allowed them to, to, to get enough points that they, that's what they needed in the end. It uh, wasn't an impressive day for Kirk Cousins, um, but we'll kind of break it down when we come back. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani alongside Tom Schreier. We're recording at about 6.30 on Sunday night, a um, couple hours after the Vikings put the finishing touches on a 27-22 win over the Jets. If you like what you're hearing, give us a follow on Inside Purple and Gold. We're anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Um, if you're following us, anytime we drop one of these episodes, it'll go right to your phone. You won't have to look you know, anywhere. It'll just pop up, download, um, and you can give us a listen. Tom, we talked about the defense. We talked about the first half compared to the second half. But the offense, while they weren't impressive, while there, wasn't a lot of, there weren't a lot of people that stood out on offense today, uh, they still, when they absolutely needed a drive, um, when the, when the jets were kind of closing in, uh, we're able to put together a drive culminating in a 10 yard touchdown pass to Justin Jefferson, uh, Kirk cousins kind of on the day up and down shaky, not as accurate. Um, looked like his timing was off, looked a little bit uncomfortable with, you know, the, the pressure collapsing around him and, and trying to gain this, this timing with, with a physical group of corners playing on the other end for the jets. Um, but he, he did what he's kind of done all year, right? Like, Mm-hmm. even in the games he hasn't been great he's kind of had a signature drive or a game a drive that you can point to as like well if, if that doesn't happen the vikings don't win the game um he did that again with the vikings at that point leading 20 to 15 touchdown makes it 27 15 obviously they win 27 22 so well, what did you make of Kirk cousins day as a whole yeah um it's it's his pattern seemed to be like he would struggle early like you think of that buffalo game um, or even the Pats game, and then kind of recover quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, this, I don't, I like, I hesitate to compare it to like the Cowboys game last year because that was such like such an atrocious game. But also, so different, like, kind of shows you how different, right, the two years right. are. But because right. um, Cooper Rush beat him, you know, really last second because <laughs> I let him back in the game or whatever, let him hang around. But um, I think you know in that game, I remember he said, oh, "I'm under all this pressure," and I was like, "I think if he actually looked at the film." he'd be like, he was under less pressure than he thinks. The problem is I don't think quarterbacks really look at pressure so much as they feel it, right? Some of it comes from behind them. They're supposed to be downfield. I mean, you think of like that touchdown throw to Justin Jefferson. He said he went through four different reads. Typically, by the time you're on your fourth read, you're on on the ground, right? (laughs) So like, so so it held up, I guess, in that sense. But like, I think um, this felt more like kind of like an old Kirk game that he, he had to be feeling something, right? We, we know he's accurate. We know he can throw the ball down the field. Um, 
there's just throws that he missed that he wasn't really missing all year. Mm-hmm. I, this is an alarmist. I think he did kind of put a cap on it with this drive you're describing where um, meticulously moves the ball down the field. I think he's just better able to, instead instead of like carrying his whole burden that he's had, I mean, I guess he'll probably get $80 million and call that a burden, but you know, this burden, contract burden of like, the team was good in 17 and they're supposed to take the next step with him. It seems mm-hmm. like he had better been able to compartmentalize, right? That he's, he's had, he can have a rough game and still deliver in the biggest moment. And I think there's only so much more like quarterback can do at their age to convince you that they're a little bit different. One of them is that he situationally has been solid this year. And I actually think it's incredibly impressive that he was, that bad i mean i think 173 yards passing right mm-hmm. um and still didn't let that kind of creep into his head as he's moving the ball down the field that he delivered when it matters most and ultimately he goes home and said so we, we won the game yeah i think they had 12 yards in the third quarter or something 12 yards of total <laughs> offense in the third quarter so for him to be able to like you said take that not let that weigh him down not let that tilt him and be able to kind of march down the field very methodically like Mm-hmm. At no point in that drive was it did they even face a third down they, never mind they faced a third down at the goal line when on third and six from the 10 yard line Kirk Cousins threw that perfect ball to Justin Jefferson you mentioned obviously that was his fourth read on the play so the, so the the offensive line held up did their job Kirk Cousins goes through his progression Justin Jefferson wins at the top of his route and Kirk Cousins puts a perfect ball on him um the the pre-snap motion to get Justin Jefferson from the left side of the formation to the right side of the formation. And while doing that away from sauce Gardner, obviously proved to be huge. I have no idea how, how in that situation, Justin Jefferson, regardless of motion can, can, can be singled up. Like if you're the jets, like yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. it just seems inexplicable that in that situation, DJ Reed, good cornerback, but you should bracket Justin Jefferson. You should be following him. You should have, there's not not really help over the top in the end zone, but but there is you know put two guys on him, make make one make the throw hard, make it you know have to go over one guy and in between the other. It was basically Justin Jefferson versus DJ Reed. Justin Jefferson won, and and to Kirk Cousins' credit, he put a perfect ball on him in the corner. I, it's worth pointing out. So like after you said twenty yards or something in the third quarter, I mean it was it was atrocious. Um, they had four straight first downs, I think, yeah. to kick off that drive. And it's one of those where you're like, what? You know, like, how is that possible? How how in one quarter are you, the, you know, like this and one quarter, whatever. And, again, that's actually probably good coaching in some case, like play calling. It's also good on Kirk to kind of lock in. Um, but in terms of how you're treating Jefferson, they have a weird defense, right, where, like, everyone's talking about this Sauce Gardner mashup against Justin Jefferson. I get why Gardner is a good player, and it's, it would have been interesting. But, like – they could have completely avoided him, right? I mean, they, yeah. they don't have him shadow. They believe in DJ Reed. I, I kind of wonder if Reed was also kind of banged up. Like, he looked like he got crunched on a play. He was down for a while, came back in. And Jefferson ran a very funny route. You know, he's so fluid, but it was it was it, like, if you look at the speed, he kind of runs right at him, slows down, makes one head fake, and then just darted towards the corner. And so, again, I think it's both – it's the best of Cousins and Jefferson in the sure. sense that, like, Cousins goes through his reads methodically, processes well. Now, he says he thought he could throw it to Osborne, but I feel like you always throw it to Jefferson, if you know what I mean, in, in that situation. Um, and then trusted Justin Jefferson 
to make that move, right? Because he really didn't have Reed beat until he kind of made this little head fake and target. Right. So I just, I think, again, it's very funny that in a game where so much went wrong, where they let the Jets back in, where they were terrible in the third quarter, where Cousins really was inaccurate most of the day, and while he was under pressure, he didn't have pressure, he went through all his reads, and he throws a perfect pass to a guy who ran a great route. And it, I guess that's football, right? You know, it's hard yeah. to explain, but it is really funny that that happened in the same game that everything else happened in this Jets game. Yeah, all of these things that aren't working in unison in mm-hmm. one play and yeah. one snapshot are working in unison, and that literally proves to be the difference in the game. Yeah, that's yeah. football. It's weird. But Kirk Cousins, like, as a whole, one of his worst games of the year, but like mm-hmm. you said, steps up when he needs to the play everything comes together uh, he did have a sequence earlier in the game too that i kind of want to like put a bow on this game together because like wh- why not let why not bounce all over the place the game made no sense so the podcast shouldn't be linear either <laughs> like the game winning drive obviously preceded the the interception by cam bynum with 10 seconds left but back in the first half kirk cousins scrambled for I think it was on third down scrambles. It was scrambles for 11 yards dives forward. After the game, he was asked about it. Like didn't know where the line was. Yeah. He knew if he started his slide too early, like they wouldn't get the first down. So it's third and nine. Kirk realizes like we need this first down to keep the, the, the drive alive. Yeah. So he, he dives and just gets crowned by CJ Mosley yeah. on the very next play hangs in the pocket and just gets absolutely destroyed while unleashing a, a, a deep ball to Jalen Rager down the field. Yeah. On back-to-back plays, your franchise quarterback taking vicious shots. Like if you're Kevin O'Connell, I don't think you like to see that, um, but it kind of does speak to Kirk Cousins and the toughness that he has. Like As much as people have criticized him throughout his Vikings tenure, he's been durable as hell minus the missing the COVID game. Uh, it's impressive yeah. and it actually doesn't totally make sense. Cause he's not like this physical specimen of a man where it's like yeah. Josh Allen, six, five yeah. to thirty, where like, yeah, he can take that punishment. You see Kirk cousins at the grocery store. Like he, he doesn't like look, yeah, yeah, he looks like a regular dude and he's can take taking punishment week after week. Credit to him for, for the toughness he shows and, and the durability he's shown throughout his career. I guess one thing we learned, I was thinking about this cause that little kid with the chains was here today. Um, <laughs> We did learn that Kirk's ripped when, uh, <laughs> yes. he was, when he was shirtless with the chains, with other players' chains, I guess. But um, I think he's – and it, the weird thing is he's actually, for a guy who needs to throw on base and doesn't scramble very well, although he's been slightly better this year, um, he actually runs fast in, like, a straight line. But yeah. um, but regardless, your point stands. Like, like in that Washington game where they were just mauling him, I was like, well, this is going to break Kirk Cousins, right? And I know how durable he is. I know he gets – but, like, this year, more than anything – Sometimes I go like, well, quarterbacks are durable and they play into their 30s because they're protected by the league's rules, right? right like right. Justin Jefferson, and knock on wood here because I never want to see a player get hurt, but Justin Jefferson gets crunched and like just bounces back, right? But you're like, the receiver's not that protected. They just throws it over the middle. They get hit pretty hard. We know what happens to running backs and obviously like linebackers and guys in the trenches and whatnot. But this is beyond just Cousins is protected by the rules. You know, he's talked about like it's his faith. He believes that you know, he's protected kind of by a higher, higher power in his comments after this game. But also he talks, he has a body specialist, essentially. Someone who like their job, and these guys always talk about how they're like in a car accident, right? They ha- they take the impact of a 
person in a car accident repeatedly, knowing that they're going to just do that again in a week or in some cases, four days, right? Yeah. Um, so he has a specialist he's working with, but it did seem like he was actually pretty good at avoiding these. And to his credit this year, gets crunched in Washington and wins, bounces back from a game that he got like brutalized against Dallas. And then four days later, stood in the pocket against a really good rush with the Pats, right? Mm -hmm. And then against the Jets here, like you're right, like he, it's a borderline illegal hit. I know like the, the linebackers always say like, look, the guy sometimes looks like he's sliding. He's not, I got to lay a hit on him. But like mm -hmm. he takes this big hit because he doesn't know exactly where the first down is and knows he needs to get the yardage. And he has said, he said earlier in the year, he wants to scramble more. He has done that. Um, and then you're right. Like he's just buying an extra second of time because there's just no perfect fit fix for what they have. They're missing Derisaw. Teams know you should pressure them because that's the way you, you attack Cousins to take the ball out of Jefferson's hands, basically. Right. Um, but yeah, I was impressed in that, in kind of the sequence of games, like the the Washington and even the Dallas, which was bad, but like from Kirk's standpoint, took a punishment, then goes beats the pass. And then here, like, yeah, this is just, it's beyond him being protected by league rules. He certainly benefits from having a specialist or whatever, but he is also, it's just a different mentality, right? That, that was kind of the criticism of Cousins was that he wasn't willing to put his body on the line, that he kind of cashes a paycheck and he needs to be perfect conditions and all this stuff. He is debunking that narrative. And I thought it was interesting that Brian O'Neill, the superstar player, the line, you know, offensive lineman, gushed about Kirk Cousins. You know, he was like, yeah. Kirk, Kirk stands in there, takes hits. He's the man. He's the man. Like that, something has changed in Cousins and it's affecting the players around him. And I think we shouldn't overlook this. It is really, it's got to be so painful to, to take a hit like that and try to deliver a pass down the field. For sure. And, yeah. and that's, I guess that's a perfect way to wrap it, right? Like, Something has changed in Kirk Cousins, and because of that, uh, sure, some of these wins have been fortunate. Has luck? Some luck has been involved, no doubt. Mm -hmm. But something has changed in Kirk Cousins, and the Vikings are ten and two because of it. Like this is a different quarterback as far as the leadership qualities, the clutch mentality down the stretch. Um, Kirk Cousins has always been able to throw the football. He's always been accurate. Um, he's always been able to kind of hang in. Um, but he stepped up. Something has changed this year. I think it's has something to do with the empowerment from from Kevin O'Connell, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. kind of the license to make mistakes. Um, but the Vikings are ten and two. They're heading into next week against Detroit with an, with a chance to kind of clinch the division. Um, and, and you know we'll we'll talk more about you know we'll reflect a little bit more on this game on Tuesday and kind of push ahead to the Lions game on you know on Thursday. Um, but next week the Vikings will have a chance to clinch the division in Detroit. Um, and, I, and I'm excited to kind of see what, how, how they're able to kind of handle that. I don't know if pressure is the right word because they're going to win the North, but the ability that there's a moment to seize, are the mm -hmm. Vikings going to be able to seize it? Mm -hmm. um, we'll see, I guess, coming up um, seven days from now. Um, but that's all I got, Tom. Anything you want to add before we, we end this thing? No, somehow a team that keeps doing the same thing over and over again, <laughs> it's exciting because what they do is win by one one score in every game. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't know how much will change by the end of the season. Obviously, we'll track it. But I think as much as this is the weirdest team I think I've ever seen, and I thought I saw that last year, um, <laughs> they're incredibly fun. They keep it interesting. A pick at the end by Bynum, we had to feel good about that and put together a drive at the end. So who knows? I don't know how to fully explain all this stuff, but it has been entertaining this season long. Yeah, none, none of us really know how to fully explain it, but they are 10-2. and two. Um, They're going to be a playoff team. And mo most importantly, like Tom said, they're fun. So we'll be back Tuesday to break it down some more. 
Um, for Tom Schreier, I'm Dave Mizutani. That's all we got today on Sunday night. Have a good week. We'll check in Tuesday. We're out. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company.